James chapter 3 verse 11. I'm reading from the New King James Version and it says this. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yield both salt water and fresh water. When I was young, Chris, I'm going to talk to you. When I was young, or younger, younger, thank you. Thank you for the correction. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Love, love this audience right here. Keeping the pastor in check. Chris, when I was younger, that wasn't so long ago. Thank you. We got this. I spent a lot of time in trouble with the law. And every so often before they would sentence me to prison, they would call for a character witness or a character letter. Now, in the criminal justice system, character witnesses or letters are highly important. And, and the reason they are important is because character letters and character witnesses allows the judge and the jury to understand you outside of the accusation, outside of the, uh, the disposition that you find yourself in. Character witnesses and character letters usually outlines the person's responsibilities. They would outline the person's behaviors. They would outline the person's reputation. So someone in the community, perhaps a pastor or a leader in the community, the the greater the community representative are in the character witnessing, the more status they have. It's good or better for the individual who's in court standing before a judge and a jury. And what would happen when they write these letters? It would give the jury or the judge a different perspective about the person or the nature or the character of the person being accused of the crime. In fact, character witnesses are highly important so that juries don't make assumptions. There's a lot of people who don't know who you are and those character witnesses or character letters gives them some insight to who you are. Amen. And so I had a pastor one time, Brandon, that wrote, that came to be my character witness. They put him up on the stand and he was, 
he, 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 I just met him. He, I was attending his church, and he loved me, and he knew I was genuinely saved. And when he gave witness, after he was done, the judge sentenced me to one month in jail. The judge took nothing he said into consideration. <laughs> it, you know, sometimes the system is just out to get you. I'm just saying that for the sake of people who've been through the system. Here's the secret I want to tell you about character. Nobody will ever go beyond their character or their nature. Did you hear what I said? Nobody will rise above their character. No one goes past their character. Our character, our nature tells us what we will do or what we will not do. When you know the character of a thing or the nature of a thing, you know exactly what it is capable of doing. You may not know their mindset, but let me put it this way. Character is what we do. It's our action. A character witness is a person that witnesses your actions, your deeds, your behavior, your attitude, and reports it back. Character witnesses. Character is your, is your story. It's what you do. In fact, character is what people expect from you. You can take him to the other side, mommy. A character witness stops people from making assumptions about you. When you want to know who somebody is or what something is, you look at their character, their nature. I have a characteristic that many of you know. I'm extremely passionate. Some of you may use the familiar word aggressive. I rebuke it. <laughs> I always consider myself passionate. My wife will tell you because I'm passionate about her. I'm passionate about food. Amen. I'm passionate about, about life. I'm not aggressive. I'm passionate. But here's my point. My point is, a man can't go above his character. Our actions are our, the things that we do, the things that we say, the things that come out of us, come out of our character. Eventually, if you're hanging, hanging around people, you will, you will determine who they are by their characteristics, their character. You ever heard that saying, show me your, and I'll tell you who you are? It, you know why we say that? Because you show me your friend, I'm going to read their character. And if you can hang with that character, you must be a character like that character. That's what that saying really means. 
Of course, you're all hanging with that character because you're evangelizing. I'll leave it there. When you know someone's character, you will know what to expect from them. That's what I'm trying to tell you. You will know what to expect from them. My wife knows me. She knows what to because she knows my characteristics, my character. <coughs> now, I know that all of you here, most of you here, you are saved and you love God. But the thing that will determine if you succeed or if you fail is not God. It's your character. Your character plays a major role in your life. And we can't remove it from Scripture because I, you could have God in your life. You can stand here all day and, and praise and worship God. But when you go home, you will notice that you're lying and cussing and cheating and doing all kind of wickedness because your character is bad, not your God. Oh boy, watch this. These are character flaws. Oh, hallelujah. Have you ever heard of a preacher cheating on his spouse? Everybody say character flaw. Have you ever heard of a believer cussing out another believer? Everybody say character flaw. Have you ever heard of a believer cheating on their taxes? Everybody say Wow. Wow. Those are character flaws. Those are not flaws with your belief in God, your character hasn't yet caught up to what you believe in. <laughs> I believe in a holy God, but my character is unholy. <laughs> I believe in a righteous God, but my character is unrighteous. I believe in a God that heals, but I speak death. Talk to me, somebody. My wife said, say it again. Amen, sister. I believe in a God that heals, but I speak death. That's a character flaw. That means your character, your nature hasn't matched up to what God is yet. Who he is. Character issues. Now let me say this. To determine somebody's character, you can't take one mistake into consideration. That'd be silly. Everybody said that's a mistake. In fact, you can't take three or four or five mistakes into consideration. Those are mistakes because as we work out life, sometimes we make mistakes, and that's okay. But if somebody's nature at the very core, they're a mess up, then we have a character flaw. I don't usually consider people's mistakes. I know people that make mistakes. But I also know people who are stuck in their ways. Who will not change no matter how you teach them. No matter how you preach to them. No matter how you correct them. They self-sabotage because they refuse to correct their nature or character. It's amazing how character works. The things that a person does over and over and over and over and over and over again. That usually identifies their character flaw.
character oftentimes is also shown in how we deal with things and people. Let's say you have a child, which you are going to have a child. Amen. Hallelujah. It might be prophetic. The way you raise that child will be based on your character. If you're a liar, you'll tell the kid, don't, when you answer the phone, tell your auntie, I'm not home. That's a lie. Because you are a lie, and you are molding that child's character as you instruct them. You can't tell your kid one day to do good and you do bad. You can't tell your kids that to live right and you don't live right. You're a drunk, you're a liar, you're a thief, you're a partier. And I want to have good kids. How the heck are you going to have good kids when you're transferring your character to your kids? One day your kids are going to come home pregnant. One day your kids are going to come home drunk because they see mommy and daddy drunk. Character. Molding characters. This is how this stuff works. I was taught how to be aggressive from my aggressive household. And then I became passionate. <laughs> Amen. I got a sister right here that knows what I'm talking about. We were both taught in the same house. <laughs> Different countries. You wouldn't believe how some of you behave, and you behave by the way you were taught. It molded your character. How many of you grew up in a house where there was drinking, and now you drink like a drunken pirate? How many of you grew up in a house that you don't drink like a drunken pirate? Stop it. <laughs> I know you. You grew up in a house where there's cussing and swearing and fighting, and now you cuss and swear and fight. Your character was molded. We got kids in Sunday school that are abrasive, very aggressive. When you look at their homes, their character, the way the parent is molding the child's character. But the child is a beautiful child, loves God, but can't manage their nature. Amen. So, my point is this. What's at the core of us determines what comes out of us. What's at the core of us determines what comes out of us. My text. My text. Go back up a little bit. It says at the core of the fountain, the spring is sweet. So, so what? Bitter water can't come from the fountain because at the core, the fountain is sweet. At the core of a fig tree is figs. Are figs, not olives. So olives can't come out of figs. What? The character, the nature of the tree determines the fruit. Oh my God. My God. Watch me today. I don't care how much you confess. <laughs> you can tell the whole world you're a Christian. Unless you have a characteristic or a 
or you become a character like God, eventually you'll fumble the ball and destroy your life as a believer. There are believers who don't know the character of God. Let's go here. And because we don't know the character of God, we mess up our faith. Because in order for me to know who you are, I have to know your character, not hear your voice. You can, can how many of you have been duped by a girl? I don't want to say I have, but I have. I'm such a nice girl. I'm sexy, I'm this, and next thing you know, you're with the girl, she's trying to kill you. Flip that coin over to men. <laughs> if we can read somebody's character before we marry them, we might save ourselves divorce and heartaches and sleepless nights and buying the extra couch for the basement. Many believers, the problem with believing is that we don't know who God is, so we don't believe properly. So we come up with this assumption. Remember I told you about characters? Character witnesses kill the assumption in the jury. You are the jury. And if God was on trial today, a lot of you will convict him for being evil. Because you don't know his Character, his nature. And had you known God's character, you wouldn't open your foolish mouth and say some of the things you've been saying about God. God is the most abused in the church. Our faith rises and falls on the nature of God. If you don't know God, your faith is flippant. If you don't know God, your faith will be back and forth, up and down. One day you'll believe you got, and the next day you'll doubt you'll ever get. How many of you that happens? So one day you believe you're healed, you're delivered, you're saved, you're blessed, and the next day, oh God, why can't I get out of poverty? Because you don't know God's character. With healing and deliverance, the nature and the character of God is important. Have you ever heard the question, why does God let bad things happen? The very premises of that question tells me you don't know him. Amen. The very, for you to ask your wife, I won't ask her anything right now, I'm just, I'm scared. <laughs> for you to, to accuse your wife of cheating on you or talking to another man, you don't know her character. When a man comes and accuses you of cheating, Without evidence, assumption, it tells me they don't know the character of the person because they have no eyewitness, they have no evidence other than the fact she came home late. When you accuse a man 
of cheating because he has buttocks. And you feel every woman on the planet want buttocks. I said it, buttocks. <laughs> With no evidence that the man is cheating, you are sick. You have a character flaw. You assumed it. Your assumption says that you don't know who the man is that you married. I've had cases like that beyond my dreams. And I'm shocked that you actually marry a person that you don't know to come, to come and sit at my table to tell me you think he's cheating. You're drunk. I should have told you that, but you're drunk. This is the stupidity of our generation. We're doing things and we don't know who we're doing it with. We don't have a clue who these people are. We don't have a clue who God is. And our faith and our trust is at risk. Have you ever heard the statement, God allowed sickness to teach us a lesson? What? God allowed sickness? Are you... Forget that. I want to... I've been watching too much of those slap videos, you know. <laughs> Developing my character from it. <laughs> the, the premises of accusing God of, of wanting to hurt you, the premises of accusing God of putting sickness or withholding prosperity and healing and blessing and favor from you, those, the very premises of saying something so silly tells me you don't know who God is. The very premises of the fact that you feel that God will not provide for you. The, I hear there sometimes I read some stuff on the internet and some people would say, Oh, it's good for a preacher or Christians to be poor. The very premises of you saying that tells me you don't know your Bible. God who is rich wants you poor? What? I said God who is rich. Whose pavement is gold once you pour? You don't know God. You don't have a clue. And, and that's where the problem of Christianity is. And that's why there's so much sickness and diseases and feeble people in the church. When we should be healed and, and doing great things for God and representing God to the world. We can't because we don't even know the God we should represent. Oh. There was a man, a great preacher by the name of John G. Lake, which I read a lot of. My friend Paul bought me a book many, a few years ago, and I enjoyed that book immensely. And John G. Lake was a, one of the greatest healing evangelists that ever lived on the earth. Really, there, I don't think there's a man that could match the type of healings that he has seen in, 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 in Kansas City alone, Spokane, Kansas City. Um, while he was there for a few months, over 100,000 people got healed. Hospital beds were being emptied. This man was so powerful. But what, one of the things that, that he discovered and wrote in his book was this. He, the Bible, his book said that when he discovered and understand the nature of God, that's when he began to walk in the power of God. As I studied his life, I was amazed by it because as he discovered the nature of God, that's when he began to walk in the power of God. 
in the fullness God wants him to do. Because it's, it, this, the, the, the author, which is his great-grandson, said that how, how his granddad, uh, when, he, when, he, when, he, uh, when he was getting into the ministry, he spent a lot of time just understanding who God is. And folks, if we're going to walk in revival under the power of God, we must be determined to know God. To know who he is, not know about him. Know his nature, know his, his, his characteristic. Now watch this. You can, you can know who God is in, you know, by, by um, by coming to church. For example, you, you can know who he is. You can have some understanding of him. But if you don't know his character, you really don't know him. Does that make sense to anybody this morning? I can, I can watch you and say, oh man, I know Gabe. Gabe is a 49er fan. I wonder what convinced us of that. I wonder who you're rooting for today in the Super Bowl. <laughs> right? You know, I can... I, you can, you can know God by the displays outside, and that's wonderful. But do you know God's nature? Do you know who he is in his nature, in his characteristics? Do you understand this morning you can know God outside of knowing his character and nature? I can, I can know Gabe by hanging with him, but I don't really know Gabe like his wife knows him. Why? Because she knows his, she knows his character. For people who don't know the character and nature of God, they fabricate stuff. They make up assumptions about him. They speak all kind of nonsense. They accuse him. They assassinate his good character. They, they make him evil instead of good. They accuse him of putting sicknesses and withholding things from them. This is nonsense. And, and that came because many do not know or understand the character and nature of God. So what I want to do is I want to give us a glimpse this morning of the nature of God and the character of God. And I got 15 minutes to do it. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, 31 for a minute. And the Bible says when God created the heavens and the earth, he said it was good. Everybody said it was good. And it wasn't just good, it was very good according to Genesis. This tells us what? This tells us that God is a good God. In fact, you got to hear me. Just like a fig tree cannot bear olives, a good God cannot do bad. You can't be good and bad at the same time. You can't bring forth salt water and sweet water at the same time. You can't bring forth good and evil at the same time. The nature of God, the nature of the spring is good. Therefore, the nature of God is good. And if he's good, everything he does is good. You understand? So when you read the scriptures, you're not going to be confused. Because you're going to see God doing some things that are not good. Based on your understanding. But if you actually search the scriptures, you will see that God is just. Everybody say God is just. And in his justice, when you sin, there are consequences. 
And therefore, if you read the scriptures properly, you will understand that the scripture is not actually describing God as bad. The scripture is describing God as good and just. And the consequences, for example, in Noah's days, when the ark uh, was built, and God told Noah to build the ark, and the Bible says that, that how the author wrote that how God destroyed the earth. God didn't do that. What destroyed the earth? Sin destroyed the earth. God didn't send destruction. God sent an ark. Why would God tell Noah to build an ark and at the same time kill people? Bitter water and sweet water can't flow from the same fountain. So when you're reading, you have to read with understanding. You have to read with the understanding of who God is. His nature is good all the time. Everybody say amen. On the seventh day, the Bible tells us how God rested. Six days of creation, seventh day of rest. But on the six days that he created, every time he created all six times, he said it was good and very good. And then he rested. The word rest there means he stopped working. Because everything he made was, all good things come from above. Thank you for quoting that scripture. Now, if you had to denote how good God is, we have to look at Jesus. Because Jesus is the perfect representation of God. He is the exact image of God. The disciples says, tell us, who the Father is, and Jesus replied, and he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Come on, quote some scriptures with me, I love it. You've seen the Father. So Jesus and the Father are one, they have the same essence, the same nature. And look at what it says in Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing? Good. Who went about doing? Good, Jesus never did anything bad because he was God incarnate. He was God in the flesh. And if, Jesus, if God was bad and God had a bad tendency or a bad day like some of you, then Jesus would have a bad tendency. But Jesus did good, which means God is good, which means Jesus is God. A good character does what it says it is. It does good. A sweet fountain does what it produces, what it says it will produce. Sweet water. A fig tree cannot bear olives. It will bear, who said apple? <laughs> Do you understand? God is good. Amen. Amen. You know, if you ever read Galatians, Galatians chapter 22 and 23, Galatians chapter 22 and 23 talks about the fruit of God's spirit. The fruit of whose spirit? Whose spirit? God's spirit. That means what's inside of him, these are the fruits that will come out of him. <laughs> Nowhere in Galatians, but the fruit of the spirit is love, peace. Joy, long-suffering, kindness, and look at it. What? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Galatians talk about the fruit of God's Spirit. 
his nature. And I didn't read anything there that says killing, murder, destruction, and obsession with women. I read the fruit of the flesh, but not God can't in, in God. Listen, you got to read your Bible, folks. In God's nature, there is no evil. He's good all the time. He's good all around. He's good inside out. Inside out, he's good upside down. He's good. He's good. Oh, God is. <laughs> second, the second thing we need to see about God's character is that God is perfect. God is what? So we just determine God is good. If you ever come and tell me God put sickness on people, God allowed that person to get accident, get into an accident. God allowed me to lose my dog. God, don't, don't come tell me anything bad you attach God to, you are assuming that is not God. God has no equals. And he will never attach himself to evil or misfortune. Shame on you for believing that. Means you're not reading your Bible. Everybody say God is perfect. The word perfect means without blemish. Without flaw. Flawless. Perfect. Nothing inside of him that could incriminate him. Nothing inside of him that would make him do. First he's good and then he's perfectly good. Everybody say he's perfectly good. So not only is he good, he is perfectly good. That means he can never, ever entertain the thought of evil. There's no sickness in him. There's no disease in him. There's no pain in him. There's no poverty in him. There's no divorce in him. He'll never tell you get a divorce. He can't speak like that. I said he cannot speak like that. He, it, he is perfectly good. He can't tell you to kill somebody. When you hear that stupidness, it's a demon. When you hear a divorce, it's a demon. When you hear thie, steal and lie and cheat on your taxes, it's sin speaking to you. You've entertained the devil. Just be, just be honest with yourself. A lot of you have been entertaining the devil in your head. And calling in God. I see, what's that girl's name? That one, the, the, the Emmy recently? Tyler, Taylor, Tyler. What's her name? You know her name, man. The water girl. I mean, I want to do that now. <laughs> Get me a bottle of water. What's her name? Ty Tyler, Taylor, whatever. She needs Jesus. Here's what she said. I want to thank God. In our African accent. I want to thank God. God has allowed me to be here today. That's absolute garbage. God don't make you strip naked and throw water in your behind. If that's the case. Paul would be doing that every Sunday. I'm just saying. <laughs> Listen, we... We attribute things. We attribute things to God that isn't God because we don't know his nature and his character. 
So this is what's happening to the church. We're attributing things to God that isn't him. We attribute sickness. We attribute poison. We attribute the disasters, tsunamis, and earthquakes. And, and oh, God allowed my father to die. God has no death in him. He's life and life more abundantly. He can't allow your dad to die. God allowed my parents to be sick. God killed off my parents so I can get an inheritance. Really? <laughs> You're attributing things to God that is not in his. You're saying that the fountain is bringing forth bitter water when the nature of the fountain is to bring forth sweet water. Am I correcting your thinking this morning? So we got to get over this belief system that God is doing evil. That God is causing you to get fat. <laughs> it's not God. It's Christos. <laughs> Paul, you're getting a lot of plugs today, I'm telling you. Everybody say, God is perfectly good. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God... That's when sickness came into the garden. That's when disease and poverty and lying and all murder and all these things came in. But prior to sinning, God made everything perfect. What makes things imperfect is sin, the devil. He's the one behind all this wickedness. The cause is not God. The cause is rebellion. The cause is sin, friend. Sin. And when I say God is perfect, he is flawless. Everybody say he's flawless. Flawless means no defects. Free from sin. Free from evil. Free from weakness. Free from errors. He doesn't make mistakes because he is flawless. Do you think God made a mistake by bringing you here this morning? No, he didn't. God makes no mistakes. Do you know God doesn't save you twice? Because he doesn't make mistakes when he saved you once. It's good enough for all times. You're the one that walked away. Do you know God doesn't turn things around? I'm looking for the tomatoes. God doesn't turn anybody around. God never turns a person's life around. Because God doesn't make mistakes where he has to turn anything around. God has a perfect plan. He has a perfect life for you. And when you step into that perfect life, you will get the perfect plan of God. It is not God that turned you around. It's you that woke up. <sighs> Let's get the doctrine right. God isn't going to turn you around, son. Not going to turn you. Not going to do anything for you. What he's going to do first, he's going to introduce himself to you. And then you get to choose him. And then you turn around. It's called repentance. The word repentance means to turn around. God don't turn nobody around. God is not going to turn your situation around. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? God is not going to turn your husband around. God is not going to turn your finances around. It's Tyler, she's turning around. 
God is not going to do any of that garbage. You have to choose to turn around. Everybody say, it's my choice. If you pin it on God, then you take the responsibility from yourself. You have to stop lying. You have to change your heart and save your family. You have to repent. Stop attributing things to God that God cannot do. God is perfect and he doesn't have turning arounds in him. A perfect God sets a perfect order and a perfect line. This garbage that you're hearing preached in churches on TV, it's absolute nonsense. People who don't know God. 90% of your songs are about turn around. So you think God is going to do it. God didn't do nothing. Stop, repent, and ask God to give you a new vision. Please, God, can you turn my marriage around? Stop being a, a liar. <laughs> I was going to say dunce. <laughs> you're, you're a criminal. And you're asking God to turn you around? Stop being a criminal. <laughs> Watch this. You know, I, like, I, you know, when I used to drink, I drank a lot, man. I drank a lot. God didn't turn me around. I had to throw the bottles out. <laughs> uh, God didn't turn me around. I had to see the nature of God. And the nature of God was holy. Everybody say, his next nature is holy. And in that holiness, I realize he doesn't want me to drink and become a drunkard. So I, in the nature of discovering who God is, that he's good, that he's perfect. Let me just go back for a second. Uh, Psalm 18.30. Let's read some text. Psalm 18.30, and then they're going to flip quickly to Deuteronomy uh, 32.4. Look at what it says. As for God, his ways is Good, great, great. There's some script. Deuteronomy 32.4. He is the rock. He is the rock. His work is flawless. Flawless. So we've understood something about God this morning. God is good. -o. God is perfectly good. -o. Perfectly good. And now God is holy. James says he cannot do both. Bring forth fresh water and bitter water. James says that good and evil can't dwell in the same place. Light and darkness cannot abide in the same place. God cannot be light and then have darkness in him. Darkness is evil. Darkness is sickness. Darkness is cancer. Darkness is, 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 is wickedness. Darkness is lying and cheating. God cannot be holy. He cannot be light and darkness at the same time. He cannot, just like a fig tree cannot bear olives. Watch me. Everybody say, God is holy. Everybody say, God is holy. You're afraid of it. Everybody say, God is holy. As you read the Old Testament, you will quickly discover the word holy right through the Old Testament. It is, in fact, it is so pronounced in the Old Testament, it's amazing. It's almost every book, every few chapters. God in the Old Testament wanted everybody to know that he's holy. In the New Testament, he wanted everybody to know he was good. A God of grace. 
So it doesn't change. His nature of holiness doesn't change. He just, he just, he's just emphasizing one versus the other. Holiness is right through the Bible. Everybody say God is holy. Goodness is right through the Bible. Perfection is right through the Bible. Because it's the nature of God, therefore it's the nature of the book. I said it's the nature of God and therefore it is the nature of the book. The book is good. The book is holy. The book is perfect. Amen, Jediah. There are no flaws in my book. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can answer almost most of the flaws in the book from his nature. Watch this. Moses, the Bible says, had to take off his shoes when he entered into the presence of God because the presence of God was holy. He says, this is holy grounds. Take your shoes off, man. The Levites had to wash in sacrificial animal blood, wash their garments and wash, uh, wash, wash, cover themselves with the blood as they entered into the holies of holies because God is holy. And if they were unclean, they would have dropped dead. God is holy. The Lord is called holy 30 plus times in the book of Isaiah. The angels around the throne sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Why? Because God is holy. And because he's holy, he hates evil. I said because he's holy, he what? Hates evil. Go with me to Psalm 5-4 for a minute. <coughs> for you are not a God who takes pleasure in what? Wickedness. No evil can dwell with you. No evil can dwell in him or around him because he's absolutely holy. Psalm 5.5. Five. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. Evil can't dwell in his presence. If evil can't dwell in his presence, why would he do evil? Say somebody's not reading the Bible. If he hates it, why would he do it? If it's not in his nature, why would he perform it? How can a sweet fountain produce bitter water? How can a holy God produce evil? What are you saying to me? That I should expect my fig tree to bear mangoes tomorrow? And let me take it further. Are you expecting your good wife to cheat on you? Are you expecting your good husband to rape your daughter? Because if we allow fig trees to bear olives, then we might as well say inside of you, there is evil. And we might as well say, inside of God, there is evil. That is the foolishness of our modern church. James 4, 7 says, 
Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What? Resist the devil means to resist the devil. It means to resist sickness, pain, suffering, poverty, oppression, demon possession. Why would God tell you to resist the devil and then he himself act like a devil? What? What stupidity is this, bro? Doesn't that, doesn't that make sense to you? Who is preaching this garbage? Resist the devil, but I'm going to be the devil. And I'm going to put sickness and diseases and pain and suffering and misery in your life. Isn't that the job of the devil? So why would God tell you to resist the devil? Then we have to tear the scriptures out. When the disciples asked the Lord to teach them to pray in Matthew 6, 13, he says, here's what he said. He says, pray like this. Lead us not into temptation, but do what? Deliver us from evil, but put evil on people. That's a contradiction. I can't tell you to pray. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, tells you to pray, deliver us from evil. But then these idiots are teaching God puts evil on people. That's voodoo. That's, that's how the brain is so corrupt in this generation. And some of you, you're posting this stuff on your Facebook. On your Instagram. I know I check you all out. Peace, guys. Next, I'll leave a photo of myself next time I visit your page. So you know I've been there. And I'm going to take a photo like this. Hey, Chris, take a photo like this. So I can leave it for them. So they can remember this message. All of you. This is your post the next time you see me on your page. Check me out. I'm coming. Bad boy, bad boy. What you going to do when the pastor comes for you? <laughs> James 1.13. And let me show you this. James 1.13. The Bible says God cannot be tempted with evil. No, neither can he tempt any man. I said God can't be tempted with evil. You know why he can't be tempted with evil? Because evil is not in him. You can only be tempted by what's in you. Write it down. You can only be tempted by what's in you. If you have lust in you, pornography will tempt you. If you have money in you, evading your taxes will tempt you. You can only be tempted by what's in you. God cannot be tempted by evil because there is no evil in him. Nor neither can he tempt men to do evil because he has no evil. Everybody say, my God is holy. My God is holy. Let me, let me end with this. Let me end with this. My God will never employ the devil. Say with me, he won't employ the devil. I said, God cannot employ the devil. That's what a lot of you believe. You believe that the devil is on the employment list. So you don't believe God did it, but you believe that he used Satan to do it to you. You believe that Satan... Somehow is given permission because you misinterpret Job. Don't worry, it's coming. That somehow 
God gave Job permission, but none of you read that Job lived in fear. We're going to fix that next week. None of you read that Job's children committed sin, so Job had to wake up every morning and do a, a, a ritual service for them. Really? God never permitted Satan to do nothing. There is no permissive will. Everybody said there's no permissive will. That's a Baptist teaching. That's garbage. God only has one will. It is perfect because my God is perfect. We're going to have to grow up now and learn our Bibles. I said we're going to have to learn our Bibles so we don't believe stupidness. So we can see the power of God move in this church. And when we see the power of God move here, we're going to take it to every church. There's a lot of preachers out there that are preaching absolute garbage to us. And by doing that, they're literally inviting the devil to keep you down. That's what they're doing. They're keeping you down. They're preaching lies, and those lies make you believe them. And when you believe the lie, you are suffering because of it. But he that knows the truth, the truth shall set you free. Amen. I said, God won't employ the devil. He will never use sickness or pain or suffering to lure you to become a better believer. God allowed me to break my ankle. No, fool. You just wasn't watching where you were going. You went skiing and you didn't know how to ski. God didn't allow it. Your stupid choices made that happen. Stop blaming God for evil. Stop blaming God for your sickness. Stop blaming God for the wickedness that's happening on this earth. There is a real devil, ladies and gentlemen, and there are really stupid people that follow him. Amen. That's why he says, Amen. God doesn't use pain to make you more obedient. You know how some of you beat your children? That's your nature. So what you did is you transfer your nature to your God. And now you see yourself as a child of God. And therefore God has to beat you to make you obedience. Because that's what you do to your children, Chan. Amen, Jediah. <laughs> you sit on the front row, you get called out. Or you get props. <laughs> no props for her. <laughs> Listen, anyways, I love you guys. You guys know that. Any, anything I say here that's abrupt, it's never meant to be rude. And it's never meant to be, to be harmful. It's just illustrations. And you can come and I'll take the coffee after if your feelings are hurt. <laughs> okay, I'm not that guy. I don't want to hurt your feelings. But my point is this. My point is this. We transfer our nature Unto God, and we interpret the scriptures based on our nature instead of interpreting it based on the nature of God so we can have the victory. Get it? Got it? Good. Let's end here. It's Satan that has you oppressed, it's Satan that has you confused. It's Satan that has you broke, busted, and disgusted. It's Satan, and not just Satan. Sometimes it's your uneducated, sometimes foolish choices like I made them. I made quite a few. I'm trying not to do them as much now that I'm getting older. <laughs> your choices, bad eating, 
causes cancer. Sugar. Come off the candy. Hello? Don't blame God for things that are happening to you. Call on God to help you. Everybody say, call on God. Number one, he is a good God. You can call on him. He'll come. And he won't beat you up. Not like your pastor. But he, he's like, 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 listen, he loves you. He's so good. Your God is so good. And you need to honor him. And, and, and he'll do good for you. Every turn, every breath that you take, he'll do good for you. Number two, he's perfect. He has a perfect plan for your life. And if you surrender your life today, he will take you into that perfect plan and give you a perfect life. Because he can only do perfect things. He can do good things and he can do perfect things. And number three, he is so holy that if you are his child, he wouldn't allow evil to come upon you. This is what a lot of believers don't know. God is in you. And if God is in you and he's holy and he's good and he's pure, then your life is insulated. But you need to believe it. And stop opening doors to the enemy. Stop feeding your mind garbage. Stop feeding your appetite, your lust. Stop feeding your unbelief. Open your life to the Lord and let him have his way. I promise you he'll do good. He'll be perfect when he does it. And he will do holy. He will destroy the works of the devil. That's what stops Satan. Holiness stops the devil. That's why we call him the Holy Spirit, just the name Holy Spirit crushes the enemy. Would you stand with me all over this house and would you put your hands together for a good God this morning?